Hello everybody and thanks to Punks in Pubs for letting us do this. My name is Dee Philpot and I'm one of the Dee Philpots behind Grammar Free in the UK which is a book of very, very silly letters to UK punk legends regarding their lyrics and their songs often deliberately getting the wrong end of the stick. Genuine, very, very inventive and very funny replies back from the actual artists themselves. This was a paperback book which uh, we ran 2,000 copies of and uh, which went very well. Uh, We've got hardly any left. And because of Brexit and what have you and a lot of people in the Americas and in Europe not been able to get hold of the book, we thought, right, OK, let's do an audio book or try to. Let's see if we can talk 64 British punk legends into voicing their replies so that we can do an audio book. How could that possibly be pulled off? We don't know, but somehow we've managed it. Or more to the point, the punk community have managed it. So we have got this audio book now. You can get it from grammarfreeintheuk.bandcamp.com under um, releases. So grammarfreeintheuk.bandcamp.com. Go to music there. And um, it's pretty cheap for what you're getting. And what we're doing is giving a proportion of every download sale to homeless charities we'll be making an announcement very soon as to um, who's going to get the first batch of money because we only released this book two weeks ago and it's flying out so because of the amount of um, kind people out there that have actually downloaded and bought the thing already we'll be in a position to get money to charity as soon as possible we're on facebook just go to derek philpot on facebook you'll see everything that's going on there we keep you all updated who's in it i hear you ask Good question. We have got the likes of Slaughter and the Dogs, Sham 69, Splodgeness Abounds, Subhumans, Ruts DC, Chumba Wumba, Angelic Upstarts, The Vibrators, Chelsea, Steve Ignorant, The Gonads, Peter and the Test Tube Babies. It goes on and on and on, just like me. We've also got extras in the book. They weren't in Grammar Free in the UK itself, but they were in one of our previous two books and they fit the bill as well. So we've got um, bonus tracks from the likes of Tom Robinson, The Undertones, Bauhaus, Fuzzbox, uh, Vic Goddard and Subway Sect, Doctor and the Medics. Need I go on? Yes, but I'm not going to. So thank you so much for this, everybody. Good luck. And um, if you want to buy the book, I'll say it again. It's at Grammar Free in the UK bandcamp.com and thanks again to Punks in Pubs signing off D Phil Welcome to the Bunks and Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird. Let's get this out the way. Yes, this podcast is coming out late. But what's more punk than not keeping to your own timescale? You could also argue it's complete mismanagement, laziness and poor planning on my part. But why create blame? Let's just be grateful 
that we're all here to enjoy this slice of punk rock heaven. So what is coming down from that metaphorical heaven that I've just completely somehow made up? My guest for this episode, oh shut up, is, t- is TikTok pop punk star and multi-talented musician Cappy, aka Hummus Vacuum. I came across Cappy phrasing after a mate WhatsApped me his TikTok video called Crassu. I knew there and then that I really wanted to talk to Cappy about a world that I have absolutely no knowledge of, but do consume myself that is TikTok. Cappy not only has a TikTok presence that has attracted over 10 million views, he is also the driving force behind his band, The Grievance Club and The Sound of Bombs. Link to his band and his TikTok channel can be found in the episode description of this podcast. So what do me and Cappy chat about? Well, we do the usual punk rock fanboying, but we also talk about uh, how music, punk rock in particular, helps channel his energy and mind as a person who has ADHD. Cappy explains how the TikTok algorithm works and confirms that creative burnout is a thing and that TikTok is a hungry beast. I pull it to Cappy that Bo Burnham is the most excellent TikTok star that has ever been, even though he has never been on TikTok, and that the now defunct app Vine was the actual punk rock content app. There's also some flatliners love, Laura Jane Grace hate, and bowling for soup heat. I may have uh, elaborated and uh, mistruthed some of that. Throughout my chat with Cappy, I will be inserting some of Cappy's TikToks in audio format. If you want to watch the real thing, Again, links to his TikTok channel is in the episode description of this podcast. I won't be back at the end as I usually am because I'm short on time and I have to pack and get to the airport. So I will do this now. If you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up again. I'll be back in a few weeks' time, but until then, enjoy this, my chat with Cappy. How come every boring person on Tinder claims they love going on adventures? Her insides out and eats all the farmer's cattle To set her spirit free Prevent a group of local pirates Finding the artifacts before we do And selling them on the black market As we infiltrate their bases Shoot them in the face and give them a taste of our fist Find out Crashy was in on the job And she's the boss, what a Shyamalan twist And now we have to take her down Using the power of friendship Did we blow the place to smithereens And make it to the copter just in time And ride off into the sunset I get blocked my screen which is kind of the way it is nowadays unfortunately i have a a man that i'm sure most of you have been watching while having a shit <laughs> do you ever think about that kevin that people are literally watching you while they're having a shit or piss i, th- I think i can assume that over 40 percent of the people that watch me are are taking a are taking a fat dump ski i can assume that absolutely and does it kind of inspire you to do more work <laughs> <laughs> tell you the truth i think i come up with my best ideas on the toilet i think a lot of people do actually there's something about sitting there and feeling comfortable and feeling relaxed where light bulbs tend to go off more when you when your sphincter's open i guess <laughs> when the sphincter's open so's the brain so it's that's what they say i guess <laughs> so so thanks for taking the time to talk to me um so i'm looking forward to this chat for two reasons one i think i'm gonna uh, learn 
uh, about shit that, if I'm frank, I'm way too old to understand now with TikTok. I'm at that point now where I'm like, fuck it, I'm not going to learn it. I'll just watch it. And, and <laughs> however it works and behind the scenes is how it works. Um, also, I'm looking forward to kind of getting to know you in real time because I think with the audience as well, there's not that much out there about you. There's, you've done a couple of interviews, but I like to kind of really research my guests and it's been a bit difficult when when i've uh, been been trying to do that with you however i have found some stuff so i suppose we'll start with uh the one that i have found why do you hate bowling for soup so much <laughs> Ooh, hard-hitting questions right out the gate That's what we're about it. what we're about absolutely now let me get this let me make sure this is perfectly clear i have no hate for bowling for soup whatsoever <laughs> They have some. They were responsible for some of the most insanely catchy riffs of the early and mid two thousands, and they they are a force to be reckoned with. I'm just tired as hell of getting compared to Bowling for Soup, only because I don't think I don't think I sound like that guy. No. I don't think I do. No. I, yeah, and and I, I I totally understand a lot of people coming to the conclusion of having something being in general punk or punk rock or pop punk or or emo whatever and then intersecting that with comedy a lot of people understandably think oh bowling for soup oh aquabats absolutely sure but the fact that i get that comment it's either that or are you familiar with that old disney channel show uh, phineas and ferb yes yeah i if you scroll through some of my most like popular tiktoks you will find Honestly, one of every five comments is, oh, this is giving me Phineas and Ferb vibes. Oh, Bowling for Soup is so, uh, is, is, is so in now. And, and it's like, I love those bands. Don't get me wrong. But do I really, are my ears, do my ears <laughs> deceive me? Do I actually sound like that? You kind of said that as a big question, but I suppose the biggest question for me is, do you prefer Kevin or Kev? I actually prefer neither. I prefer uh, Cappy. Cappy, okay. Yes, I've I've always gone by Kathy since since day one. Um, I don't know. I just have one of those. My friend told me the other day I have nickname energy, which <laughs> okay. means I get which I don't I didn't know what that that meant at the moment, but I realized like, huh, everyone's always called me by my last name, which is Kathy, and I've never looked at myself in the mirror and been like, that's Kevin. I don't know. Kevin's never resonated. So Kevin or Kev, not preferable, but I I I would probably. If you saw me in a crowded room and yelled Kev or Kevin, I probably wouldn't turn around. Definitely happy. I mean, it'd be a dick move now when you just told me that. And I'll just continue for the whole rest of this interview. Keep calling you Kevin. <laughs> like, you just told me, it'd, it'd be, I don't like it. Stop calling me. It'd it. be a great bit. It would be a fantastic <laughs> bit. Um, I'm going to take a very hard uh, turn in tone now and, and talk about uh, <laughs> how I kind of discovered you. By, and I think my story is probably like a million of other people whereabouts a mate sends you a WhatsApp and saying, hey, watch this guy talk about Tinder. It's very funny. And and that kind of, I'm, I'm guessing that kind of uh, word of mouth has, has attracted you to nearly 6 million views for, for that, that particular video. And it was tagged to me as kind of like funny pop punk guy. And it's interesting, earlier on, you kind of spoke about people linking you with bowling for soup how do you find the term pop punk because i can remember there was a period in like the early 2000s where bands who clearly were pop punk like some 41 and blink 182 and newfound glory would rather drink glass than admit that they were pop punk so i mean how how does it sit with you 
being called a pop punk guy by my mate. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting because I, I grew up listening to a, a huge uh, collection of different stuff uh, to where I kind of I started off with. Yeah, exactly. Like that wave of Blink-182, Sum 41, MXPX, uh, like a lot of the very commercially available pop punk bands and then that led me into getting into really like gritty 80s hardcore like black flag seven seconds bad brains all that stuff and then um i've I've been through a multitude of different phases when it comes to punk and i remember so vividly that feeling that you're describing of being in ninth tenth grade where i'm trying to like figure my shit out and trying to feel like a human being for the first time in my life and trying to shake off pop punk being like no i'm a man i'm a i'm a I'm a big boy. I don't need to talk about girls in songs or think that that's the epitome of what punk's supposed to be about. Punk is bigger than this. And um, a few years after that, I came to recognize and understand that pop punk is not a bad word. No. It All it means is punk that's a little bit more accessible and actually most of the time gives a bit of a shit about the production value. <laughs> and absolutely, I, I will be first to admit that as someone that relies heavily on songwriting tropes of some of my favorite bands like Descendants or the Flatliners, for example, like some of my favorite sort of pop punk adjacent bands. I rely a lot on on those kind of tropes, but I can fully recognize how someone who's sort of out of that space might hear a pop punk song and immediately think, oh, this is going to be inherently cringy, isn't it? This is going to because <laughs> because there's been so many iterations of of really poorly represented pop punk that's marketed extremely narrowly and uh i understand where people can come from with that but sitting in your head as funny pop punk guy on tiktok to some people that might feel cringy or off-putting but no absolutely not i take that with pride good because and, and i think you should because i think a lot of people like kind of like you said I, i'm the same i went for the evolution of of, of like i've never looked like uh, no one can see this on audio but like a punk like I've always kind of dressed in a way the way that I feel comfortable. And then like if I go to a punk show or if I go to there's a, a big kind of uh, old school punk festival in Blackpool in, in, in England called Rebellion Fest, where that's bands like Chelsea and um, uh, 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 that's the only band that came in my head. Uh, <laughs> but like kind of like the oi bands, which I do enjoy going to listen to, like proper skinheads with Doc Martens, like you'll rock up and I've got a little floppy fringe and everyone's oh, like yeah. who the fuck's this guy and I, and it took a while for me to become comfortable with how i fit into like the punk kind of umbrella because it is such a broad term punk like because there's so many different variations and, and like offshoots from it uh, how long did it take you then to kind of feel comfortable being in whatever lane that you wanted to be within the music kind of genre or are you constantly trying to battle it where actually you might go to a, like a hardcore show and go oh i don't really feel i fit here i got out of the mentality of i need to hate everything that isn't inherently <laughs> punk kind of out of high school a little bit i think in high school i was very I, as a lot of kids were i was very militant in the things that i listened to and granted i grew up with so much stuff and i didn't want to you know, completely throw it, throw it away. But I really, you know, I listened to my chem and I listened to fallout boy and I listened to, you know, plenty of, of stuff that I think back on fondly and still listen to today, but I wouldn't tell my friends about that. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear those bands on my sleeve as much. The bands that I would wear on my sleeves are the ones that 
quote unquote real punks would look at and be like, oh, he knows what's up. He knows that <laughs> he's in. He's in. The, he's in the shit. And like, he's got a Chrome Max speak- T-shirt on. He, he knows. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I remember, I remember, um, you bring up like oi bands as well. I remember, uh, I got a a, a Coxsparer, uh, patch a long, long time ago. And I listened to Coxsparer a little bit, but they were a little bit in my rotation. But I put them on my, I put them on a jacket like from high school and i remember like going through old clothes and it was time to throw out that jacket and i remember looking at it and being like i never really gave a <laughs> shit about that band like no disrespect to them they're great they have their place they're still going but like just them as an example like yeah. huh i really i really defined myself by a lot of bands that i really didn't need to so i think to answer your question like when i about the time like my first second year of college i remember thinking like you know what i I am so done with gatekeeping and I am so tired of feeling like I have to please anyone besides myself with my tastes or what I come across as it's, it's something I grew very tired of through my years in high school. And, and now I can just kind of look at it as one large umbrella of, of punk pop punk things that are slightly adjacent to that hardcore, whatever have you, it all just falls under a very, general umbrella for me now to where i don't have to nitpick in my brain and think about oh what's cool and what's not i'll admit i've fallen into that trap though and this is like five years ago i can remember i was um just out shopping and i saw a one direction t-shirt with the ramones kind of like the 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 very famous ramones symbol And for yeah. that, that angered me with like, oh my God, what are they doing? But but now I think about it, the, the main one from One Direction, it's probably the most punk fucking guy out there at the moment. Like the guy's just- Oh, Harry Styles. Harry Styles, that's the guy. Like he's yeah. out there, David bowing it up. Like the guy has found his like unique style and voice and the guy's punk as fuck in my opinion. Absolutely. I just posted a TikTok a couple days ago where I have this running bit yeah, everyone knows uh, the classic internet joke of getting rickrolled, of course. I decided to, I, I want to start a new gotcha trend like that, where people get uh, Vanga bust. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I cleverly put the song Vanga bust by Vanga Boys into a bunch of places that there shouldn't be. And I pretended that I, pretended that I got the new Harry Styles record. And when you play it backwards on a certain track, it says something really spooky and scary, like the Paul is dead thing. And uh, it ends up just playing Vangabus. And um, I think it's a I think it's a 12 out of 10 TikTok, in my opinion. And I, sh- I should be rich. All right. So I just picked up the new Harry Styles record and it's it's really good. I like it a lot. It's just there's something kind of uh, like disturbing I found out about it. You know, like the whole uh, Paul is dead thing, how the Beatles Sgt. Pepper record, if you play it backwards, you hear mumblings of Paul is dead, Paul is dead. And it was like a super creepy rumor back in the day. I, th- I think Harry did something kind of similar. If you go to track five, uh, it's a song called Daylight. If you play it backwards, I s- tell me if you hear what I hear, okay? So I'm, g- I'm gonna play it. Tell me if you hear what I hear, all right? Ready? I think no other kind of subculture eats itself like punk loves to. How has like the punk community within, within TikTok taken the, the content that you're creating? Is, is it with open arms or is it kind of like, oh, you're, you're shitting on something that I love and you're making a joke out of it? I would say like 90, 95% of it is, is very accepting and positive. Truly, I, I think that a lot of the naysayers of what I do, which honestly, it's relatively few and far between, but the, the people that I get, or at least the quote unquote haters that are sort of 
punk adjacent that I get are oftentimes thinking that just because it's pop punk, that means it's inherently bad uh, or going to be inherently not funny or, or some variation of that. But when it comes to like the punk community on TikTok, honestly, I would argue that punk is very alive and well. And TikTok has, is a very important and kind of necessary platform for it. I think it, it, this conversation spills into the music industry as a whole, let alone just punk music, to where TikTok is inherently a, uh, an audio app, to where it's where 80, 90% of new artists and new bands get discovered and where virality is kind of the at the forefront of all of it, where someone can blow up overnight quicker than any YouTube video, any, any SoundCloud link ever could. And I think punk, as it is such a community-based music scene, I think a lot of that translates to TikTok more than people would realize. I keep up with and try to communicate with a lot of my, my audience and, and a lot of the people that uh, watch my stuff regularly to, you know, make sure that there is a, a community aspect to it and make sure that, you know, even though I'm doing comedy and, and sometimes I can divert from that music and discovering cool bands and energetic punk flavorings are at the forefront of all of it. And it's, and it honestly, it is, it's very rewarding. And uh, I think punk is very alive on TikTok. You just kind of got to know where to look. I like to go back to kind of growing up. Was you always like a creative kid? Like, were you, were you always kind of like a look at me, look at me? Or were you one of those people who kind of grew and, and discovered like your kind of, oh, actually, I want to, I want to, I want to create arts, a wanky word, but like, you want to create content. I grew up as a very ADHD riddled hyper kid. Uh, like my parents would say, you from two to five years old was a blur because you wouldn't shut the fuck up or stop running around. And I, I could, we legitimately had to like medicate you ASAP because I was such a, a ball of energy. Having ADHD, especially as an adult, is very different from having ADHD for when you're that young to where you really don't know how to, how to understand why you can't focus on something for more than five seconds or why you have goldfish brain. For me, around like six or seven years old is when I, when I discovered music and I discovered that, okay, a lot of the kinetic energy that my body had as a kid, that I was so hyperactive, can be channeled into something called punk, which is this art form that is so much more than just expression. It's about physicality and it's about, you know, it's about movement and it's, it's, it has just a lot of, like I said, kinetic energy to it. Um, and so growing up, I th yeah, I think I was about six or seven when I always, I always kind of pinpoint it back to this. I, uh, the, the first real time I woke up and said, okay, music is what I'm going to do the rest of my life is when I was playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for the first time. Like a lot of kids, like that, those games truly did kind of, you know, introduced an entire generation to a, a whole different subculture. And, you know, that was kind of the, the, the in-game, the, like getting into it for me was, was through video games and through things like that. But then growing up, um, I was always a theater kid. I went to like theater summer camp when I was a child. So I'm like a, a very um, musical, theatrical person at heart. Um, and then started playing in bands around like 11 or 12, like really started with bass just because I figured, you know, guitarists grow on trees. <laughs> and I think a bassist, you know, I, wa I want to be Mike Durnt. I want to, I want to play bass to your knees. Yeah. Really low bass playing um, position. He, he does. He's got, he's a tall dude. He's got long, lanky arms. I can't do that. You're like a T-Rex. I, I am truly. <laughs> I Paul McCartney the shit out of it. It's up to my nose. 
<laughs> but yeah, I think growing up, I, I, I definitely was always an extremely right-brained kid, and I was defined a lot by ADHD and and music because music was the honestly the only way that I could I feel like I could channel my ADHD properly. Um, that was the only hobby, only activity extracurricular that made me feel truly like I was I was using it in a productive way. I was medicated very young as a kid, like six or seven, the first giant wave of lobbyists or doctors and lobbyists pushing Adderall, Focalin, Vyvanse, a ton of ADHD medications. I was put on it like right away. I was very much a guinea pig for a lot of those medications growing up. And I think music was always a a very big safe haven for me to where I it didn't matter if I was unmedicated that day or medicated or how I was feeling because of it. I, you know, I know I can I can escape to this no matter what. So if if you don't mind me asking, do you think you needed to be medicated? And I ask that because in the UK, medicating a child because they've got ADHD is not something that would probably be done. It, it, the idea would be that you would find something to channel their energy in the same way that you you found music, and and that was the way that you kind of what the way that you're telling me is that you use music to kind of channel the the erratic mind that you might have going on at that point in time like now you're older looking back do do you believe that you needed to be medicated first off that's really interesting that i mean i imagine it's not just the uk i imagine it's a lot of europe right that has a much more uh, or at least a less liberal idea of 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 giving out medications just because of one specific uh symptom i got put on medication so young and so early just because i was I, I was objectively too much to handle for my parents. And I, I don't look back at it with resentment at all. I honestly, I wouldn't trade it for the world just because it's still, you know, at the end of the day, you are just a collection of your own experiences. And I, I don't resent it or regret it at all because, you know, as I've talked to my parents growing up, they told me like, no, you medically needed to stop moving. You knew, or you were going to hurt yourself or someone else. Cause I was the kind of kid to just like, I wouldn't know what to do with my body. I would just start running. I would get zoomies like a cat would at 3 a.m. I would just like start running into walls and just throwing stuff. It was, I was so chaotic that I, I really needed to have something to at least level me out. So no, I, I don't regret it, to be honest with you. I could have got less milligrams to some, to some degree. Honestly, I think there's a lot of medications that I took that were zombifying to me to where my parents were just like yep just let's just max the dose out let's just do as much as his little tiny bones can handle and let's just put up on 120 milligrams of vivance and not understanding like what that does to a child not what that does to a 10 year old um but at the end of the day no i don't regret it it was probably necessary and, and like do you mind talking about it now like as an adult and I, again i ask this because I think people think of ADHD, they do think of it as like a, a childhood behavior. And I have dyslexia. And with dyslexia, I think people think of that as like a childhood situation that you kind of grow out of. And trust me, you don't. You, like, you always kind of have that inability to, to, to read. Uh, I, for me personally, I, I didn't start reading until I was very old. I, I use comic books to help me to read by using illustration with 
with text which kind of links the 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 action to to to, to it how do you feel about talking about it now i tell you the truth i love talking about it now I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to a lot of that stuff because with dyslexia too i also i too have dyslexia it is a very strange it's a very strange thing to come to terms with when you're older because i didn't realize i had dyslexia till i was in high school to where like words would jump around without me even noticing and I would blink and like it's in a different place now. I think dyslexia comes in different shapes and sizes that a lot of people don't realize. Um, but to your question, like with ADHD and having that all kind of together in a, in a very similar mental health boat, uh, ADHD is a very interesting conversation, especially now, because one, I think to a lot of people, you know, talking about mental health and depression, anxiety is obviously the conversation is very out and open, especially on the internet, but it's also very trendy. And it's also very, um, I think everyone has, feels like they have a little bit of ADHD because just how fast paced we consume content now. And there is truth to be said to that. Absolutely. But I, I think a lot of people then misconstrued what adult deficit hyperactive disorder really is and does uh, because of that. Uh, and I think a lot of people who try to normalize the term a little bit kind of think that, oh, just because I'm, su I'm such a procrastinator and I get so easily distracted uh, from my phone when I'm trying to do work, that inherently gives them ADHD. No, it's not something you catch. It's something that you, you, ha you have to learn to live with it. And I don't resent anybody for, for feeling that way. But at the same time, I, I do think, to your point, I, I love talking about it because it is a very interesting conversation especially in this new world we're living in and especially with um with the kind of content i make as well and the things that i consume on a on a day-to-day -day basis i think it's very interesting how people see adhd and sort of how it plays into our media diets a little bit want to know the moment where i found out i was dyslexic so take a look at this this is called a fender precision base see that word precision very easy to see up until I was about 15, I had been calling it a Fender percussion bass. Percussion. What does that mean in the context of a bass? I had been calling it that for so many years. I embarrassed myself in front of so many people. I said it all the time and none of you corrected me. I saw on your Instagram that you are a, and you spoke about it before, a Flatliners fan. And I, I'm interested to know if you were a bring back Scar flatliners fan or are you kind of into their more melodic flatliners even though they've gone to fat now it's got a bit heavier oh man fucking all of it yeah no destroy to create um they're like first like ska record holy shit no that when i was in high school i was in a band called high titles and we basically tried to be the, the flatliners plus my chem plus leftover crack plus the menzingers it was a whole mess <laughs> it was it was a it was a very funny goofy mess of genres that we tried to screw around with and we wanted to be like an emo ska core and we took so much inspiration from like their first record and if you if you listen back to those to those songs they play faster than any goddamn band i've ever heard in my life it is so it, it feels like you've just taken a, a straight shot of 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 like horse tranquilizer right to the face and then you take like three adderalls it's so fast it's insanely caffeinated music and um in the flatliners are an extremely good example of a band that i wanted to sound like for so long when i was in high school and and i've, I've loved everything from 
from Great Awake to Cavalcade to their to their newest song that they released a couple days ago. I've loved that band through and through. And um, I, I think I owe them a lot in terms of just teaching me how to kind of write a song a little bit. I thought we'll play a very quick game because you spoke about the spectrum of music that you like. Uh, and I thought what would be cool is to kind of go through those spectrums and get you to pick either or and then explain why you like them. Ooh, okay, got it. So it just, I, and I never do games on this podcast. So, uh, and I was just, just because I was listening to some interviews that you've done and I was like, okay, this would be quite cool. Um, so, okay, so you either have to pick Black Flag with Keith Morris or Black Flag with Henry Rollins. Black Flag with, with Keith or Henry, you say? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, you know, it, Henry is, when I think of Black Flag, I think of Henry, as most people do, I think, just because Damaged is so important. Yeah. And, like, all those all the records on are, like, are very much just witnessing Henry Rollins go more and more into madness and insanity. But Keith is like, I, I do love the circle jerks as well. And I think he has his own energy. But honestly, when we're talking black flag here, when I think of like how dark and and, and, and brooding black flag is inherently, I think of Henry. So I'm going to have to go with that. Real big fish or less than Jake. Oh, fuck me. Uh, shit. This sucks. This, <laughs> this is a this one's a purple nurple for sure. Um, I'm gonna go less than Jake, honestly. I'm gonna really? go less than Jake just because because well, real big fish. I love real big fish to no end. Do not get do not get it twisted. I think less than Jake though. Their bassist, who I think his name's Chester, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, Chester is responsible for producing a ton of really good records that I that I grew up listening to. So I think by that alone, that's a that's a um. A photo finish right there. I'm going less than Jake. Okay, we've got a couple more, but we'll do this as the last one. Uh, Against Me or Bad Religion? Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you to no end. That's not fair. That's not fucking fair. No, those two are next to the Flats and and the Menzingers and Pop. And, oh, God, those two are really, like, bands I would would die for. Oh, God. Uh, I guess I want to say Bad Religion mainly because their discography is bigger and I can, if I had to only two options for things I could listen to the rest of my life, if I, I couldn't listen to against me anymore, but I, I could listen to bad religion, I guess I would choose bad religion just because against me, Laura is so and her songwriting is so insanely important to me, but I think there have been some records that I don't like as much as other ones and their discography isn't perfect in my opinion. To where his bad religion has has had what forty years of consistent bangers back and forth, back and forth, and I think, God damn it, yeah, I have to go bad religion. <laughs> Somewhere Laura is crying in a bathtub. She loves a bath. Uh, I'm <laughs> oh, if she if she hears this, I'm in such deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're in a couple of bands uh, yourself: the Grievance Club and uh, the Sounder Bombs. Two very different sounding bands. Have you always tried to experiment with your bands and how you play? Has that always been important with you not to kind of be labeled into one kind of subgenre of, of music? Because I would say the Sound of Bombs aren't really punk. I would, I would probably call them pop. When it comes to the bands that I've, I've grown up playing in, especially with the Grievance Club, Grievance Club's kind of like, in part with my my friend Harrison, is kind of like my baby that um, I've been in since... 2013 or something maybe 14 i don't know but when it comes to when it comes to that band that band has been a a constant stream of trying to find 
new ways of playing emo. I'd say that band is very much like a melodic emo punk band. A lot of our band members uh, that we've had in the past or currently are very inspired by like Midwest basement emo and things that are that line almost on math rock um to where we love fucking with time signatures and confusing the audience and ourselves in the process with whatever the hell we're playing but in a way that's relatively that's relatively accessible um at the end of the day we've been grievance club we try to mainly sound like bands like armor for sleep uh jimmy world such gold things that have punk roots but are not afraid to get extremely noodly and technical. Propagandi is another huge uh, influence for us. Bands like Weatherbox. But when, to your main question, like experimenting, I, I never want to not experiment. I think it's so easy to fall into a, uh, a routine uh, of, of writing the same things that you know the audience is going to at least like enough. Uh, I don't know. I like seeing when I like hearing and seeing when bands try something completely out of the blue and something totally different. And it, I don't know. I find that very exciting. If nothing really matters to you, throw me to the flames and let's throw a parade. Make time to make way. So, so I, I found a SoundCloud that you did, and you did uh, like a, a, a kind of jingle called "Podcast But Outside," which I I, yeah. I I dug because I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like why why didn't I think of that as a name really than Punks in Pubs?" Because that's essentially what I was trying to do with this podcast. So, do you take uh, any kind of a jobs? Because at the moment, I'm using uh, Fiddler's cheap beer, and I'm just waiting for them to sue the fuck out of me. If I'm completely honest. Ooh. Do it, Fiddler. You won't. Do it. You won't. Come on, bring it on. I'll represent you. I don't care. Have you got bird law like uh, the guy from Always <laughs> I am definitely, uh, I am definitely a savant in bird law and nothing more. <laughs> um, that's that's a very good find. Good eye. And also, it harkens so heavily to yeah what you said at the beginning of of our conversation of you starting this podcast pre COVID. Um, Podcast But Outside, but for anyone who doesn't know, is an incredible podcast um, by two great comedians, Cole and Andrew. Their premise is that it's just a podcast where they set up a table in various locations and they just interview people on the spot. Uh, and it's just, it's off the cuff and it's it's fun and random and, and goofy and, and and sometimes really awkward. And it's just, it's a very real slice of life kind of thing. And it's, it's super, it's a great podcast. And they outsource their theme songs every week to a new artist. And um, because I've, I've been a fan for so long, and I kind of tangentially know one of the hosts, Cole, from growing up in Northeast Ohio. I figured, hey, why not throw a throw a theme song or two their way? And um, it's just so funny the parallels between another podcast that where the idea was conceived pre-COVID and in a perfect world uh, would have been such a fantastic concept. But then, what do you know? Shit caught fire in March 2020, and then they had to really really get creative with how they're going to interview people and keep this podcast going um I, I i absolutely do pay for hired work i will write you a theme song or i will uh that's all i can do that's the only say, thing where, i know how to do. 
<laughs> I just remembered that's like the only thing I'm decent at. <laughs> so tell me, uh, what kind of music you into? Do you have any favorite bands? Yeah, I love all kinds of music. Um, you know, stuff like, uh, you know. Um... Oh my God, I've forgotten every artist that exists. Bands, what are those? I've never heard of music. Bands like, uh, uh, Imagine Dragons. You should go. Yeah, I'm going to leave now. Did you watch Bo Burnham's Inside and go, you fucking cunt? You have created (laughs) (laughs) possibly one of the greatest TikTok masterpieces, and you didn't even fucking go on TikTok. When I saw that, special for the first time like a lot of people i feel like i was watching a brand new genre of content be created almost to where it's 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 just isolated the thing about that uh that special in particular is that's like the antithesis of what i and a lot of content creators just do day to day but minus the the happy go lucky smile that we're supposed to put on uh for being brand safe or being in any way accessible to to a normal audience i guess um because at the end of the day all i'm doing is just making weird faces at a camera and then just getting frustrated 95 percent of the time that i'm not on camera just being like fuck where does this cord go oh god damn it what does this light look like fucking shit i'm not good at this at all Oh god damn it. I I want to I want to fucking walk into the ocean. I'm I'm done with this. I think that special definitely inspired so much content uh, especially on TikTok that it was kind of the perfect storm of um of like isolated solo creation a little bit of of that kind of content. And so to to your point, yeah, uh Bo Burnham can fucking eat my ass for <laughs> for being that good at something all by himself and being such a savant and so humble about it at the same time and self-aware i guess anyone who has seen your tiktoks clearly a very funny and smart guy and i'm a big fan of of what you do have you tried doing stand-up is it something that you've gone oh i want to have a go at this or is it something you're like no i'm not gonna put myself off on stage and be booed it's really ironic you say this because I just signed up for um, I just signed up for my first real like set for next week actually at a at a little place in Ohio um, or in Central Ohio that I'm going to be doing uh, comedy at um, and it's something that I've wanted to do for a long long time um, something that I felt like I've been on a stage for long enough in my life to where I know how to work somewhat kind of work a crowd but it's something that i have been wanting to do for so long and i'm as of literally a couple days ago i signed on for this show um and it's very low-key it's not like anything super i just want to make sure i can feel comfortable you know in front of a crowd in that context um so yes i i am and have done like improv shows every now and again uh like you know in in very crappy ones in high school and a couple in in college, but nothing that really stuck or really made a huge impression on me. Um, very excited to express that 
that part of myself and kind of flex that muscle a little bit. Who knows? Maybe it'll go great. Maybe I will get rocks thrown at my head. Oh, man, I, I wish you all the best because I, I, I think anyone who's willing to go on the stage and, and be that vulnerable, you know, like, it is doff the cap. Like, it is such a, um incredible uh, uh, thing to thing to go and do and, and have a crack at it i don't think i would have the chops to 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 put myself in that position so like i i wish you and i truly mean this i wish you all the best man because i hope it goes well um, i appreciate that thank you so before we talk about tiktok i want to big up vine <laughs> because i feel like vine is the is the true punk rock of of social media and and it's the way that punk should always be is under what was it six seconds Every punk show, punk song should be a minute, no more. Uh, and yes. Vine was six seconds of content and get the fuck out. So, like, it was like a good punk song. Uh, did you ever fuck around with Vine? And d- do you think you can do six seconds of content? I miss Vine every moment of every day of my entire <laughs> life. Truly. I think that's why, honestly, I, I like TikTok as well, because like the antithesis of Vine is still there, right? Like the nucleus of it is still there buried in the bullshit. Um, it's just the beauty of Vine was that, yeah, it, it was the limitations, was the fact that your video, no matter what it was, whether it was comedy or music or whatever, had to be a, an amazing elevator pitch almost to keep your attention. And I, I, I really miss Vine. I, I fucked around with it quite a lot. Uh, I never really got anywhere with it. I, I had a very, very minute, small following kind of around my high school, if I remember correctly, to where I made a couple stupid, dumb poop jokes, I think. <laughs> and and some of them got around the school and I was I was the Vine kid for like a half a second. I remember one very specifically to where I found an unopened vibrator in my mom's drawer um, and it was unopened. That was my justification for taking it and uh, using it in a vine. But I opened it up, put it in like this weird little treasure chest antique that my parents had. It literally looked like a pirate's chest. And uh, I think the bit was like, uh, hey, guys, I just found this insane pirate chest I picked up at, a, at an art show. Let's check out what's inside of it. And it was just like this weird little floppy vibrator just just like banging around in there. Um, and so that one did relatively well. And that got around my high school. And I think I was I was known as the guy with the vibrator <laughs> in, my, in my class for a hot minute. But I never really got anywhere with Vine, even though I, I, I do owe it a lot, I think. And to your point, yeah, it is very, very punk rock. The fact that it's so short and concise is, is very very inherently punk to me too I, I hope you finished your your vine by saying shiver my timbers and then it just end oh god damn it <laughs> oh that, that's a great punchline. shit the first video just scrolling through your tiktoks as far as i can i'm aware is you drumming to to an eric andre show i don't know is that correct is that, is that the first your first one you did that was the first TikTok I ever posted. Yeah. So over the years, clearly you evolved in 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 what you're doing, and and something that I've I well, I'm just saying, I fucking, I'm sure everyone's noticed this, but you kind of put very sneaky messaging or, or on important subject matters such as sexuality, mental health. When did you decide that you wanted to go from drumming to Eric Andre to to creating content where actually does actually have kind of a a, a message into it, and and the, why did you want to keep punk? as part of kind of the, the, the central part of the content. I think I wanted to, in the beginning, use TikTok as a, as a means of like just promoting whatever, whatever bands I'm in and tangentially, you know, making musical content that I could 
kind of point back to my bands and be like, hey, I also do this if you actually enjoy this. Um, I went to school for videography and I, uh, you know, grew up playing music. So TikTok, especially kind of just in the isolation that we all felt mostly last year, TikTok, I finally realized like, oh, that's kind of a beautiful middle ground of of these two worlds of mine um, that I can kind of smush together. And uh, with that first video and the few videos after that, I think it was very apparent that I just like didn't really know what to do or how to how to exactly be uh, be myself or be what I thought people would want to see. It was very much just me throwing stuff at the wall, just trying new stuff out. But then a couple videos later, some of them did pretty well. Some of them were very just dumb little meme bits that I really that that got a laugh out of me. And then some of them I wanted to actually interject a lot of my personality into them. I, I can't remember the exact moment where I, I thought to myself, huh, I should, I can interject a lot more meaning into these TikToks as opposed to just dumb jokes. I think a lot of that came down to just me wanting to stay true to myself and making sure that I talk about and joke about the things that I know that I've, that I've grown up with. And I think wrapping it in, in a sort of musical punk rock shell is rather unique for the most part. There's plenty of people that do it, a lot of them who do it better than me, but I, I think it is something that was true to myself to where I, I figured, you know what? Jokes plus punk rock songs are the thing that honestly have kept me going since day one. So why don't I just boil it down to that? And that's when things just kind of started happening. Um, and that's when things started to feel really natural and efficient and it all just kind of fell in place. And I'm still figuring it out, obviously. I don't think anybody, there's no rule book to this shit. It's very much off the cuff and, and we're all trying to figure out how to present ourselves in this capacity. But I, I definitely do feel like especially from those first few videos that you saw of me just kind of screwing around with, with fun cover songs um, just to have something musically to do. I, I really started to remind myself, Hey, you come from this world. So why shy too far away from that? You know, here's the anthem for all the Bible who started experimenting slightly late. Cause when it comes to people of the same sex, I still feel like I'm in seventh grade. Completely what the vibe is Romantically back to square one Do you wanna play some game too Or do we skip to trading tongues Can I get you some more water Literally just filled my glass a minute ago Oh right Do we pretend to be close And talk about sports Is this just guys being guys How do I flirt with men There's such things that You've got videos. So Roommates, a video you made, has now got 6 million views. And, and another one, uh, Krasu, which is your Tinder video, is around about 5.8. Having that kind of kind of success, what does 6 million views on a video actually mean? Like, what does it, does it give you opportunities to, to network and possibly pitch to, to streaming services or anything like that? It definitely does, but in its very own unique way. Um, I, I do not at all want to discount, you know, the work I've put in or the work that anybody has, has put in for, for videos that have gotten millions and millions of hits, but it is a definitely, it's a different pipeline than what like 
a, a, a giant viral video on YouTube can now. Um, with TikTok, uh, like I mentioned, monetization on TikTok is so hard and is so difficult to where you would be hard pressed to find somebody, uh, anybody, even just even like a you know a a seventeen year old young very uppity poppy influencer with with trillions and trillions of followers like like the Charlie D'Amelios of the world. You'd be hard pressed to find influencers that large that don't have other streams of income because TikTok at the end of the day is just a young startup that isn't even that old where it's it's a very underdeveloped app and an underdeveloped company as well to where I don't think TikTok even really has that much money <laughs> at all. I'm sure there's plenty of lots of money backing it and there's lots of bureaucracy that goes into it, but a lot of people have to remember TikTok is a startup company <laughs> that got way bigger than uh, way bigger than anyone expected it to be. So monetization on there is pretty piss poor. Uh, there's something called the TikTok Creator Fund, which is basically it's a giant pool of money that TikTok created uh, that dependent on your video views, you get you get a little bit of that money. And, you know, it, it really depends on who you are and what kind of videos you upload. But on average, you would make about three to maybe six cents per thousand views. Um, and, you know, like for a while when, you know, if, if you are a giant, a giant TikToker with 10 million followers, yeah, every video is going to hit at least 200,000, right? So you're going to be making a living off of that so somewhat. But for me, for the most part, for most TikTokers, it's just lunch money. It's it's very much just like a very small little supplemental income kind of thing. Um, so so making it on TikTok at least financially doesn't really mean much. Um, but it, on on the other side of it, creatively, it open it it has the potential to open a ton of doors. I've met so many cool people that I've gotten to work with over the past few months and years because of it, uh, and gotten to network with with people I look up to as well. And it's, it can open a lot of doors for you, but definitely don't expect that alone to pay your bills or create financial freedom in the slightest. I've spoken quite openly about how for a period of time with this podcast, I, I was constantly checking to see how it was doing. So I put out a show, I was seeing like how many listenerships it was going and I was being kind of ultra competitive that I wanted to compete against uh, another British podcast, which is probably in, in the realm of punk. Um, and I wanted to be like, I wanted to beat that person. So I was constantly checking the charts, see if I was above him or below him. And if I'm honest, it became unhealthy. And and I was booking artists that I really didn't give a fuck about. Like I just, I was booking them because I, I was thinking, oh, people are going to listen to this person. So therefore let's book them. And then I, I, the reason I did this podcast is because I wanted to speak to people who I found interesting. So I was, I was essentially chasing something that was making me unhappy. And mm -hmm. I wonder with when when you have videos that do so well and then you put out a video that hasn't done so well are are you quite good at kind of looking after yourself and going well that's one video out there I don't need to worry about why people aren't digging this even though they dug the other one like do you overanalyze are you quite good at just like putting it out there it's out there I'm on to the next one that is a mental struggle that that you would be hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't think about that constantly. I, I've had to remind myself countless times that you're not going to catch lightning in a bottle every single day. That's just not going to happen, especially inherently with the kind of content that I make. The fact that I, I you know, make musical comedy ish stuff to where it's 
I, I really do try to put effort and and production value into the things I do. I don't want, I don't, I don't ever want to put something out there that just feels super throwaway. But when it comes to getting down on myself, if like a video didn't do as well as I assumed it would be, or comparing it to other creators as well, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Just Monday, I posted what was probably the dumbest fucking TikTok I've ever posted. And that's debatable because I've made a lot of dumb videos. But this one was, it was just a, a little jingle, a parody jingle from Daniel Powder's Bad Day. You know, you had a bad day. And this one, I replaced the lyrics about being depressed and eating cheese. That was it. And that as of now has 1.2 million views in under 48 hours. So you had a bad day, so you eat a block of cheese, then you eat some more cheese, then you shoot up the cheese to make room for more cheese. And now this time it's free, and then you stare at the floor, and then it's back to the cheese. Brought to you in partnership with Lexapro and the National Dairy Association. <laughs> and that one took probably the least amount to to get together, the least amount to edit. I was super, I was bumming a lot last week because of various different things. Um, so I, so I just made a dumb jingle just to do it. And that, and that is doing so well, I think, because it comes at the most unreasonable time for the things that you would never expect. I try so hard not to overanalyze and overthink about it. At the end of the day, you know, you're going to end up doing that to some degree. I try to supplement those feelings with reminding myself, look, I am at the whim of whatever an algorithm wants to show people. And at the end of the day, the people who who engage with even things that I'm proud that I'm super proud of and worked really hard on and have little to no viewership, then that almost makes an even bigger impression to those people because it's not just this giant ecosystem of comments and views and likes. I think there's there's value in videos that don't do well just as much as there can be videos that do insane numbers for no apparent reason other than the fact that it struck a chord with with people. It, even even just for a quick cheap laugh, you know. Do you think there's too much pressure on content creators to to battle the algorithm? Because I, I I've heard interviews of people who left Instagram, for instance, because they they felt like the algorithm was asking them to put up too much content, so therefore they kind of got burnout. And and I wonder if that's the same with TikTok, because like you said, the algorithm plays such a big part. Does TikTok punish people who are not putting out content constantly? And is there a duty of care for TikTok to to look after its content creators to make sure? Sure that 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 they're not doing burnout and they don't feel like like you said you kind of you might have had a rough week last week and and you put something out but maybe you didn't feel like putting something out but you felt pressure that you had to. Yeah, absolutely. Burnout is kind of inevitable on TikTok at least at least right now. At least it feels like it. TikTok definitely has an issue, I think, with rewarding the wrong people and not inherently saying that there's people on there that don't deserve a platform. I mean, there definitely are. There's some shitheads on this app. Absolutely. But my main point being, I, I think TikTok rewards quantity way more than it ever would quality. To please the TikTok algorithm, you will get told, oh, you have to post two to three times a day. You got to at least post daily at the very least and ensure that you're replying to comments. Make sure now that they have stories that you update your story. Make sure you go live at least three times, four times a week. There is so much goddamn upkeep, it feels like, with TikTok. I recognize that 
burnout is so inevitable, especially for bands who feel like they have to be a part of this little meme creation viral marketing app that isn't musical to them, but they feel like they have to pump out content in order to stay relevant. Um, I, I feel for so many bands that try to promote their music via TikTok and, and sometimes it just doesn't work and it gets no eyes or ears. And it's it sucks because you're climbing up a hill all the time. When it comes to being at the whim of an algorithm, what I would say to people that are just starting a TikTok account today with zero followers is just be prepared for the first few months to be an absolute fucking grind. I don't want anybody to get that to get the message that they have to forfeit their mental health at all to do TikTok, but keeping this app happy is sadly one of the more negative effects of of just what it is. Um and once you get a couple videos that hit good numbers, then as long as you find a, a good means of staying consistent, then TikTok won't get that mad at you. <laughs> and you have to just really push yourself for the first months to go live, post consistently, not necessarily quantity-based, but just post consistently and making sure that you're cultivating not just followers, but an audience, a, a real genuine community, which is, you know, I I have... I've, a decent number of followers, but honestly, it's only like a, a couple thousand people that actually give a shit that will go out of their way to to listen to my songs or or check out my bands or or be a part of what I'm doing. And that's honestly that's amazing in itself. That that's more rewarding than, than looking at a big follower number. So we've been talking for fucking ages. So we'll we'll wrap up. <laughs> I've started using this as as like a way to end the conversations now because usually we as, as you've probably noticed they kind of go in different ways so trying to end it when you when you've kind of hitting on an, an important or, or sometimes deep conversation it can sound quite blunt when you just right thank you bye what i've been doing recently is asking people you're going for a beer or you're going for a coffee and mm -hmm. you can pick three people who you go for a coffee or a beer with they can either be in the realm of music they can either be your mate or they can be from the realm of comedy. Who are those three people Ooh. you picking to go for a drink or coffee with? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Okay, I, I'll split it up. Let's do coffee, beer, and like romantic dinner date. How about that? Okay, okay. Um, so for coffee, I would go get coffee with Dave Grohl, mainly because he is also a well-known caffeine addict uh, with with horrible amounts of ADHD, also from Ohio. So I think. Aside from me just asking him question after question after question, I think we'd have a lot to we'd have a lot to discuss. A beer, I would I would love to get a beer with um, Pete Holmes. If you're familiar with Pete Holmes, he's yep. he's just a super yeah super smiley conversational dude that I think would be very fun to get drunk with, and I'm a huge fan of his work as well. And a romantic dinner date. Uh, I would want to take Regina Spector out for the most fancy Italian dinner imaginable, make sure she gets only the finest, and then I would drive her home, and uh, then I would, you know, ask her father to court. So, um, yeah, Regina, I, I, I would die for Regina Spector, so that's, let that be on the record. <laughs> 
thank you, Cappy, mate, for spending so much time with me. I, I know I've taken up quite a large chunk of your of your day, but I really appreciate it. And um, I, I truly wish you all the best for your stand up. I'm nervous for you, but I'm sure I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll smash it. And uh, all the information on how people can listen to the band and also the TikTok will be on the what's what's the right saying in the uh description bio or whatever the the thing is i'll yeah. do it, i'll do it properly at the end totally <laughs> but yeah, thank you though friend no. this was tons of fun thank you i'm glad you enjoyed it man. here's a final fucking warning to any of you trying to get a hold of me past midnight don't you dare try to talk to me